Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 20. Acts 19, 1 through 20, the Holy Spirit and evil spirits. Let's start reading in verse, verse 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when or after you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the, name of the, uh, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. A drachma was a silver coin that was worth about a day's wages. So you're talking about 50,000 days worth of wages that was burnt up in that, in that time. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Just a note to understand about this context, magic arts and sorcery relied on secrecy and the use of spells that were documented in these scrolls. So for these folks to openly confess, to say what they had done, to reveal their secrets, and to destroy their scrolls demonstrated a true repentance, a true turning to the Lord. The purpose of our Lukács sermon series is for us individually and collectively to reignite our passion for Christ and for the church, the body. Right? Throughout the Gospel of Luke and these first 18 chapters of Acts, we have seen how the Holy Spirit was actively at work in and through Jesus, the disciples, and the early church. We've also seen how evil spirits were actively at work 
and how Jesus, the disciples, and the early church dealt authoritatively and conclusively with these evil spirits. Here in Acts 19, 11 through 20, we receive insight into two specific points about evil spirits, and then in Acts 19, verses 1 through 10, we return to a familiar truth about the Holy Spirit. So let's start with the evil spirits. Evil spirits are real. Evil spirits are real, but they are subject to the authority of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 and 12, verses 11 and 12 says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. The Bible makes such a matter-of-fact statement about extraordinary miracles and evil spirits being cast out that the modern reader thinks of these statements as fantasy or fiction. It sounds just like some other fantasy fiction story. But this is really a result of how far modern worldviews have devolved from ancient and biblical worldviews. Because this was a completely different thought process that the people at that time were going through. And so let's, let's do this. Let's try a simple thought experiment. If I say the word natural, what do you think I'm referring to? Most people would think of that, think of what is natural as pertaining to this world. What is real? What is tangible? What is perceived by the senses? What is subject to experimentation using the scientific method? Reality in the natural world is seen exclusively in terms of energy and matter and nature as completely self-contained, self-sufficient, self-ordering. Now, if I say the word supernatural, what does that bring to mind? And what people typically think of is ghosts, magic, zombies, demons, fanciful beliefs, Angels and God. That's in the nature or in the realm of the supernatural. In short, everything that a rational human being would consider as fables and fairy tales. But this kind of dualism between natural and supernatural, between science and religion, between fact and faith, between natural laws and miracles, this kind of thinking was dominating what, what, what is this kind of dualism, this kind of you know, double thinking kind of thing. It's what dominates the worldview of most ordinary people. Right? It relegates religion and matters of personal faith to something that you must keep separate. And it leads to the secularization, all the things in everyday life is secular. It's not sacred, it's just secular. Right? And in that secular, natural, everyday life, there's no room for demons, evil spirits, angels, or God, except in movies and books, except for entertainment. In ancient and biblical times, there was no distinction between the natural and the supernatural. 
people readily believed in spirit beings and considered them as real as human beings. But the devil's deceptions and lies were as convincing then as they are convincing now. In the past, human beings were deceived into making gods in their own image. They realized that there is a God, that there are supernatural things, that there are beings that are not just human beings. They realized all that. But they were deceived into making gods of their own thinking, in their own image, according to their own appetites. In the present, human beings are similarly deceived into making gods in their own image. It's just that they don't call them gods. And so here, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Paul, who we're reading about here in Acts 19, he writes to Timothy and he says this, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. What is the devil's goal? What would he like to see happen more than anything else? To get people to believe things taught by demons, whether they believe or don't believe in demons. That's what the devil's agenda is. But here's the reassuring truth that we can hold fast to. No matter what deceptions or attacks an evil spirit brings, when the power of God comes against them, they have to leave. Can an evil spirit try to terrify, to mislead, to cause us doubt? Sure. But they have no authority. There is nothing to fear from an evil spirit. We were singing it even this morning. I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. We have nothing to fear even about evil spirits. A child of God has authority over evil spirits because they are the children of God, because of who we are related to, because of the authority that is given to us from our Heavenly Father. And so because of that, we have this authority that we can say, the only thing we need to do is not to be afraid, but rather to discern what is the spirit that we're dealing with, to understand and to, to to see with spiritual eyes what is it that we're dealing with and then to deal with it. Which leads me to this next point. Evil spirits know Jesus and his followers. If you need to discern and be led by the Lord, you can take comfort, you can take confidence in this, that the evil spirits know Jesus and who are his. Because when the sons of Sceva were exorcising evil spirits in the name of Jesus who Paul preached, they kept doing that until one day this evil spirit says to them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? If you are ever confronting an evil spirit, if you ever think that you're dealing with an evil entity of any, any kind or evil action of any kind, nothing to be alarmed of. They know exactly who you are too. And therefore, we stand with that kind of confidence and that's why in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, when it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. How do you do that? Only when you belong to God, when you have the wisdom of God, when you have the discernment of God. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10, it says, The manifestation of the spirit 
is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to, the, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits. God intends for his children to discern what is going on in the Spirit, to discern between the Holy Spirit and evil spirits. God enables us to discern an evil spirit, know what to do about it, and fills us with the power of the Holy Spirit to deal with evil spirits. Which brings us to reaffirming this very important truth from the first part of Acts 19. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've looked at Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 10, and other scriptures in sufficient detail about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that I'm not going to spend much time on that this morning. But when Paul encounters these 12 men and he asks them if they've received the Holy Spirit, what, when they say, no, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit, he explains the truths of baptism and the Holy Spirit. He leads them to be baptized. He places his hands on them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues and they prophesy. The filling, the gifting, and the ministering of the Holy Spirit is stated in the scriptures in a very matter-of-fact way. And we stand in danger of doing the same thing as the average person around us does with regard to evil spirits and the Holy Spirit. We create a dualism and we say, well, the Holy Spirit was active in the first century. The Holy Spirit was active in the first early church. The Holy Spirit did these extraordinary miracles at that time, through Paul, through them. But it's not for us. And we create this dualism that the Bible never actually speaks about. It never says this stopped. It gives for us the same invitation as was in, given in the Word of God. And so, what is necessary for us is that we would not make the same kind of non-biblical differentiation between the natural and the supernatural. We would see that the Holy Spirit is actively engaged and actively at work in all that is going on in our everyday normal lives. And as we give importance to the word of God, to the presence of God, to the will of God, as we pray, as we seek him, as we pursue him, we have to give equal importance to the role, to the person, and to the work of the Holy Spirit in the church today. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, as we were considering last week during Resurrection Sunday, the same Holy Spirit is at work in us. The same power, the Bible says, the same power that raised him from the dead is now at work in us. And if that's the work that is going on, if that's what the Holy Spirit is doing, if that's God's desire for us, then we need to desire the filling of the Holy Spirit. We want to let the Lord work to fill the gaps of our understanding. These 12 men in Ephesus, they were sincere. They were following. They were faithful, but they had gaps in their understanding. And when Paul lays it out for them, they respond to that and are filled with the Spirit. So this morning, 
I want to bring us to a point of response and then to a point of application. The point of response is this, that we would respond with the right understanding of the Holy Spirit and evil spirits. What do you believe? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit and about evil spirits? Do you disbelieve both of them? Do you de-emphasize both of them? Do you emphasize one over the other? Do you have any gaps in your understanding? Well, now is the time. Today is a great opportunity to say, Lord, I am asking you for your wisdom and for your power. Lord, I'm asking you for discernment. I need to know how to discern between the Holy Spirit and evil spirits. I need to know how I can tell apart my own voice, the world's voice, the devil's voice, and the Holy Spirit's voice. I need to be able to distinguish that you are speaking to me, that you are there. I need to be able to know this. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is our opportunity to ask the Lord for all that he intends for us. As we've said multiple times in past weeks, past months, the Lord doesn't call us to something that he doesn't then empower us to fulfill. He doesn't say, go do this, and say, well, you're on your own. He doesn't say, go do this, and I'll give you a few limited resources. He says, go do this, and I will be with you. Go do this, and I will fill you with my power and my presence. Go do this, and I will gift you to fulfill the calling. Go do this, and I will join you with the body of Christ that will stand with you and support you and help you to fulfill what I'm calling you to. Go do this, and I am with you. That's the promise of the Lord. This morning, we're dedicating a baby. You know, but that baby dedication and that commitment that we're making, the commitment that the parents are making, there's no way that they can keep that commitment on their own. They're going to fall at some point. And you know, as much as they think that children are a reward from the Lord, there will be days when they say, oh Lord, I wish I didn't have this reward. Right? There will be days when they'll say, oh God, I don't know how to make this happen. And then there will be days when that child that was so sweet and loving and, you know, just was in your arms will be saying something and you'll go, oh, what's going on? What's, where, why is this happening? But in the middle of it all, in the middle of all of those kinds of situations, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to discern, is this of God? Is this of the flesh? Is this of the devil? Is my child listening to demons? And I'm not suggesting that they will. I'm just saying to you that we need to be people who are discerning, who are so filled with God's word, God's spirit, then God's presence in us, overflowing from us, that we're able to deal with all the situations of our life with strength. Which brings us to this point of application. We apply all these things that we're hearing, all these things that we're considering, this example of what Paul is doing. We apply by resisting the devil. We say, Lord God, I thank you that you have blessed me and that you have filled me and that you've given me all of this. I stand. I put on the armor of God and I just stand. I take up the sword of the spirit and I stand because the devil has to flee. Demons and evil spirits have to flee. They have to leave. 
It, you know, the, the, when, the, when the miracle is manifest, the Bible just says, and evil spirits left them. There's nothing more. It's just a very straightforward statement. They just left. That's the authority that the Lord gives us. That's the power that he's giving us. The focus on what Paul did as aprons are taken from him, he's not starting an anointed apron ministry, right? That's not the point. He's not, he's, he's not, he's not saying, this is the method, you know, this is the method, this is what you should do. This is not, not, nothing like that. The focus is not on the method at all. The focus is on the, the apron being used as a point of contact when he's not there in person. The focus is on the fact that God is sufficient by his power to drive out any demon to drive out any evil spirit. So this morning I want to ask you, what area in your life, what area in your life today is characterized by failure, illness, loss, soul hurts, hopelessness, something that has just brought you down? And maybe there's been some deception Maybe you haven't even really seen it, or maybe you're starting to see. I think I'm believing a wrong thing. I think these ungodly beliefs have affected me. What, what kind of areas could there be in your life where you need to say to the Lord, Lord, I need you to intervene. I need you to act. The way that I have been thinking has not been according to your word. But I ask you, Lord, now to come and to fill me so that I may resist the evil one. You know, I want to encourage you to discern the spirit at work in all areas of your life. I want to encourage you to simply and clearly speak to any evil spirits to leave. If you know, if you discern, if you see there's an evil spirit at work, just speak to that evil spirit by the authority of the Lord Jesus. There are no spells, no potions, no magic incantations, nothing else that you have to do. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to do anything. You simply speak in the authority that the Lord has given you. And just that authority and the power of the risen Lord that it equips and enables you to speak a word in faith will accomplish the purpose for which that word is sent. So, this morning, I want to encourage you Take the time. Understand about the Holy Spirit. Understand about evil spirits. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that, Lord, you are a good God to us, that you love us so much, that, Lord, you prepare all things good and wonderful for us, that you give us of yourself, most importantly. Lord, it's not just that you give us gifts and power and everything else, but Lord, that you give us of yourself. Thank you for that. And Father, receiving you, receiving your Holy Spirit, knowing what you are doing in our lives, we pray, Father, that you will fill us to overflowing, that Lord, out of our mouths will come what is in the abundance of our hearts. Lord, out of our lives will come the overflow of the Holy Spirit. And Father, that will have an impact on people around us. It'll have an impact on the circumstances around us. And it'll have an impact on any evil spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that it is your desire 
to fill us, to, Lord, call us your own. And so, Father, we commit ourselves to you afresh. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen.